Morning. So I'm Adrian, and uh, good to see familiar faces. If you're visiting, what a party, eh? What a party. So, last week uh, was part one. Uh, if you missed part one, I'd just encourage you to have a listen on the YouTube. Uh, online, and uh, oh, hello, mum and dad. <laughs> I heard from my mum yesterday. She said, Oh, we, we listened to you as your dad and I as we went to sleep. <laughs> um, but when, when Dave said, Okay, look, there's two preachers to finish and, uh, and to bow out with, I don't know what you would preach on. And uh, obviously, we could do lots about memories, 12 of us in our front room 20 years ago. and but I didn't want to talk about that at all. I, I didn't really want to particularly talk about our story. The two things that came into my mind pretty much straight away, and we looked at part one of that last week, I wanted to talk about the king and his bride. And the thoughts that I want to leave you with as an elder to this church are to encourage you in your devotion to the king and his bride. Because everything else in history is focused on those two things. Lots of other stuff happens personally, nationally, internationally. And they are all towards one end, the king and his bride. It's, it's the pinnacle. And so if you get the north, the pinnacle of our life focus right, everything else will find its place. Churches, people will come and go, but the king and his bride will be unchanging. So that's why, unashamedly, I want to read and talk from Psalm 45 again. The king and his bride. Last week, we had, because the, the writer to the psalm says, I'm stirred by noble themes. I'm stirred by some good thoughts. And we looked at the thought of the beautiful and gracious, joyful and anointed king didn't we, from the psalm. We looked at he's a victorious king. He's riding with a sword. We also looked at he was a fragrant king. His robes smell of myrrh and death. And we also saw, maybe you hadn't seen before, and Leslie quoted it a bit earlier, the Hebrews of the New Testament quotes this psalm and it twists it. We are reading it and think, oh, maybe it's Solomon and what a lovely bride he's got. But suddenly, the writer to Hebrews takes this and quotes it in direct reference to Christ. It says this, about the Son, the Father, God the Father says, your throne, O Son, will last forever. And you've been anointed with joy and, uh, and the rest. So we what if not just that verse is the Father speaking? What if the whole psalm is not just the poet, but the Father speaking over his Son? And often, if you read the psalms, often put yourself in the place, not just, okay, we're singing them to God, but what if they're the... And Jesus uses them. What if they're Jesus speaking? What if they're Jesus speaking? So, we read the psalm the first part of it, and we're going to read the next part of it. So if we can have, I think it's slide three. I've got this. Brilliant, you're up there. Thank you very much. So the focus now moves from the king 
to the bride. Imagine this bride. Maybe you've been a bride, maybe you aspire to be a bride. Many of us have seen brides. This is now not the song about the bridegroom. What a nice suit from Burton's. People don't often... What was he wearing? How many... People aren't interested. What about the bride? Everyone turns to look at, not the guy with the suit, but the bride. Everyone turns, don't they, as she comes down to the front. Let's read from Psalm 45, verse 9. And let's hear it now, not a song of a poet, but of God the Father, as verse 9 was. Listen, daughter. Listen, daughter. And pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he's your Lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments, she's led to her king. Let her virgin companions follow her. Those brought to be with her, led in with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. So, do you see that the psalm, it moved from a king to the bride. It moved from authority to affection. And whenever you think about God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, it's really important that we hold both of those words. They're two sides of the same coin. Authority and affection. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's authority and affection. And in this psalm, we're going through the authority, the king, he's splendid. Now his affection. We're going to look at the affection of him. The bride's honoured. The bride's honoured. There is nothing else in Jesus' eyes greater, more beautiful than the bride. If you've been a bridegroom, I trust that there was no other beautiful bride replacement that that your bride had your eyes. Now I don't know if you realise scripture takes this picture of a bridegroom and bride it keeps repeating that theme. Yes it talks about marriage and the sanctity of marriage and we hold to that dearly in open door but it raises the bar and says it's not just between a man and a woman who think each other are lovely. This is a picture for history of God, Christ and the church. So friends, if you've been married, if you are married, your life is a testimony of this, the bride of Christ and Christ's love. So he says this in Isaiah 62, As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder, this is God the Father, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. How do bridegrooms rejoice over their bride? 
I mean, how do you... Yes, that, that's rather... She's rather, you know, so it's quite nice. How do bridegrooms rejoice over the bride? Friends, if you've, been a br- if you've not been a bridegroom, you've got that maybe to look forward to. It's more than a little bit of, hmm. There's a whole... There's a whole lot of desire. There's a whole lot of enthusiasm. There's a whole lot of love. Hallelujah, Revelation 19 says this. The Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. What is wedding night like, guys? What is wedding like? Blessed are those invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I saw the holy city, says Revelation 21, prepared as a bride. There's this picture of Christ, the bridegroom, and the bride, the church, keeps coming through scripture. And friends, that is not some sanctified, sort of holy little, you know, bridegroom and bride is as real as it gets. It's a passionate thing. It's an embrace thing. It's an authority and affection thing. It's an exclusivity thing. Everything changes. And then in the middle of this book, this book, there's a short little book. And if you're under 18, maybe you've not read it, I don't know. I used to read it years and think, what is it on about? There's a book called The Song of Songs. And it's got some saucy stuff in there. What it has got in there also is a whole pile of romance and passion and I believe it's a picture yes of a man's love for a woman and they're chasing each other around the hills and going into the bedchamber and all sorts but I also believe it's a picture of Christ pursuing his bride because it's very similar to Psalm 45 and friends the king is enthralled by your beauty I don't know what you think of the church and what you think of yourself in the church. Would you use the words that he uses? He's enthralled. I don't know, perhaps when people pay you a compliment, sometimes we don't quite know what to do, do we? We like, especially English people, we like, feel a bit awkward and we like offload it. Oh, it wasn't really me. Great playing, lovely singing, Monica. Oh, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. Well, I looked like Monica, didn't I? When people pay compliments, we either think, oh, oh we, we, yeah, no, but I, I really messed up in verse 2. How many of us, we, do, we quickly point out our failings? Because like, as Leslie said, we're, we, we know them. We're so full of them. It's like they're front and center in our minds. What is front and center of the king's mind? He's enthralled with your beauty enthralled do you believe that do I believe it do we live in the good of a king that's enthralled he's enthralled not just with the concept of the church what a great idea father who, are, who is the church you and I he's enthralled with the church, us, his people. We're his delight. The king is enthralled with your beauty. 
Why don't we repeat that? The king is enthralled with our beauty. The king is enthralled with our beauty. Christ gives his splendor to the church. What is he enthralled with? This is then we need to work through. He's enthralled with the splendor he's given to us. We receive Christ's splendor. We display Christ's splendor. Christ gives us his beauty. Now that was happening on the cross. The ugliness of our sin, mine, yours, humanity was placed on Christ. The shame and the ignominy of it, the terror of it. But in that moment, the beauty of Christ was being transferred to the church. To the church. We, as the church, receive a new robe. We received a robe. We, open door, have received a new robe. Now, Jesus anticipates, because what's our objection? I'm not beautiful. I don't feel very beautiful. I mean, the amount of times I've messed up. I mean, he must see them all and think, God. Scripture says he's enthralled with our beauty. You see, what is he enthralled with? When he looks at Dave... What is it? He sees his grace in Dave, or you. He's enthralled by his grace in you. When he looks at us, it's not like, okay, what a good-looking chap, what a good-looking ladies, how well they serve me. No, he's enthralled by his grace that he's given you. That's what he's enthralled with. He's enthralled with the reflection of himself in you. I find that utterly amazing. That Jesus, as you look at me and you look at us, you are enthralled by the reflection of your grace in us. Because everything Jesus does is beautiful, yeah? Everything Jesus gives is beautiful. So the more we receive from him, the more we surrender to him, the more he is delighted. Because look at the grace, Father, that is at work in their lives. I think, Lord, I just want to immerse myself, jump deeper and deeper into grace and let go of all the stuff I hold and we hold on to. Friends, the beauty comes from surrendering to his grace because that's what he loves in us. He's drawn to our grace. Believers, friends, if you're a believer, you are never more beautiful to him than this. You are never more beautiful than that moment when you say, I can't do it. Because that's when his grace rushes out of his heart and says, that's what I've come for. I love that. I love to express my grace in you. Friends, we are most beautiful when the devil would say, you're the most ugly. Because he lies. He lies. We are most beautiful when the devil says, you are most ugly. That is when Jesus' heart says, yes. When you and I say, I've messed up again. I've broken Lord, I need your help. I've sinned. I'm just, I'm just ugly. Lord, would your beauty come? He rushes towards us. Friends, we don't get, make ourselves beautiful by getting it together. We are made beautiful by receiving his grace. Ah. Oh. 
when we make no attempt to minimize or cover or conceal our sin, that is when we're the most beautiful. Everything in us, like Adam and Eve, where are you guys? Oh, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Well, because we're naked and we thought you, you were coming. And friends, that is what's happened through history in all of our lives. The answer is not to, I'll get together and then I'll go out when I'm ready. The answer is to say, Jesus, would you come in here where I'm an utter mess and would your grace flood? And he loves to. He loves to, doesn't it? Look at any story. The one Jesus tells of a guy that goes and feeds the pigs. He runs away, he squanders his money. He comes back stinking, but the father's looking for him. It's not, let me give you a hug when you've had a wash. You stink of pigs. He loves him while he's still afar. He runs towards him and he covers him. He puts a robe on him. Friends, the heart of God, because he's enthralled with any little fragment of grace in our lives. You think, well, there's not much grace. Friends, he loves that little bit of grace. His work in us gives us beauty. Nothing you do gives you any beauty. Nothing I do, nothing Open Door Church will give us beauty other than receiving the grace of God. And friends, the more we admit our weaknesses and failures and mess-ups, the more his grace flows, and guess what? Then the more beautiful we are. So friends, this church isn't about being made of people that have got it together and look down how clever we are. Friends, it's, the strength comes as we say, God, your grace or nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. Okay, so that lifts all performance off. That lifts all sense of having to have it together and be, oh, I couldn't possibly be like that or do that because I'm not. To and friends, that's the very moment when grace rushes on. Friends, you might be mindful of your sin. He's overly mindful of his grace for you and for me. And friends, after 20 years, I'm still learning. <laughs> You've been very gracious. But if there was one thing I would change in my journey, it was understanding the grace of God for me and for us. Because in the heart of Jesus, every day he looks at you, his wedding day in his heart. That's what the Bible says. The bride, let the king be enthralled by your beauty. The bridegroom is anticipating the wedding day every day he looks at you. Is that how you and I live? When he looks at you, he anticipates wedding day. That's the picture of scripture. The bridegroom and the bride. He anticipates the wedding day. The result of that is that we face him full on. Say, here I am, Lord. In all my humanity, mess, failure, sin. Here I am. And because he is enthralled, he rushes in. He says... I've got a robe for you. Oh, what, what robe do I deserve? He said, I've got a gold robe for you. A gold robe. More than that, Song of Solomon, one of the verses we can read on a Sunday morning. 
He says this. He, the lover, says this. He says, turn your eyes from me because they ravish my heart. Turn your eyes from me because they ravish my heart. Friends, what if we heard Jesus speaking those words to us? Your eyes, when they fixed on me, ravish my heart. Because he's the bridegroom that loves his bride. You begin to see a little insight into the passion and the love of Christ for his church. When you look at me, church, it ravishes my heart. and It's almost like, turn your eyes from me because I'm just undone. What a lie we believe that, oh, he wouldn't want to see me. I can't lift my eyes to look at him. Oh, he's not interested. Scripture says, your look, his way, ravishes. Song of Songs, 6-5, the bridegroom says, turn your eyes. Friends, as you look at Jesus, even like this, I don't know if you want to see, but one little crack, one little peep of your eyes towards him ravishes that. How do I know that? Because in some small way, I've had a bride, and I've been a bridegroom, and I know that one look of her eyes. And Some of you have to ask others, what did he mean? But sometimes there's a look, guys, isn't there? Sometimes there's a look that ravages your heart. Open door church, the king is ravished by your look. So... The more we look at him, the more he's ravished. Because guess what we find then? As I allow him to look at me and I'm looking at him, I love him some more. And like the scales and the ugly clothes get stripped away. And then we see in scripture, Zechariah is brought before king, this picture of God. And, and the announcement from heaven says, take off the dirty robes. He's being accused of the devil's there. Take off the filthy robes, take off the turban. See, I've put new clothes on you. Because that's what happens as we allow him to gaze on us. And if you're like, okay, I let go. I surrender. All this mess, we find we've been transformed. How are we transformed from one degree of glory to the next as we gaze on him? Friends, we're not transformed by doing the next ten steps or four steps and do these things for successful Christian living or try and pray early, or try and pray late, or miss these. I've tried lots of those, and they have a little bit of effect, but mostly we're changed as we allow him to look at us. And I, that's really difficult, because in our culture, Western culture, or my culture, you're, like, you, you, you're changed by working hard. I used to be a teacher, and you're changed by learning your spellings. You're changed by doing your homework. You're changed by turning up on time. You're changed by achieving with Christ, we're changed by emptying. But, yeah, but Lord, surely I've got to do something to help you. Now, Adrian, just empty. Just let go. Just admit. We find that hard, don't we? But if the king is enthralled, it's okay to admit. Because he's not going to criticize like some teacher that, you know... I can see you didn't do that. You copied that from your friends, one teacher told me years ago. So I thought, oh, if you can't beat them, join them. I've become a teacher. (laughs) But all glorious is the princess within her chamber. 
Friends, she celebrated and anticipated. Is that how you view church? Friends, that's why it's so important, as Paul urges. Friends, because we're the bride, make every attention that your relationships with one another are the best as far as you're able. Because you're the bride. What bride wants to wear a coat, a clothes that have been sicked on and dirt on and spat on and sworn on? Lord, friends, don't bring that into the church, the bride. Because she's beautiful. As far as we're able, live at peace with everyone. Let go of hatred and arguing and bitterness because God, they steal it from us. But the bride, she's worth humbling ourselves for, isn't she? Okay, I'll go and see them. I don't really want to, but because she's worth it, I will. Let the bride be the because it's important to him, she's going to be important to me. She's celebrated. Now she's receiving gifts. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. Friends, the church will always be fed by Jesus. She will always be provided. He washes her, he feeds her, he gives her his word. Friends, when we align ourselves with the, ch- with the church of Jesus Christ, she'll always be provided. She may not have a big building like this. She might be five people in a tree, uh, under a tree. I guess you can. (laughs) It might be five people meeting in secret in a nation where to be following Jesus results in your death or imprisonment. But the bride will always be fed because she's the love of his eyes, love of his heart. She's got this beautiful gown Where's this gown come from that we wear that's woven with gold? Friends, it's not through us trying to get it together. It's one he gives. But, 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 Revelation says this. The bride's made herself ready. Fine linen. She's got this robe, this dress, bright and clean. It was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So there's, there's a cooperation here. Our Lord, it's, you give the righteousness. But as I live out your righteousness, it's like fine linen. Lord, Show us the way. Take us to the dressing room, Lord. This gown interwoven with gold, the king's thread, righteous acts. I want to encourage you, husbands, maybe read Song of Solomon, but before you read Song of Solomon together, pray for each other that would our marriage reflect righteous acts? Would the way we speak to our kids, would the way I be an employer or employee, would righteous acts be displayed through me? Would this robe that I wear not be one of fighting all the time, but trusting in your provision and peace? Because I'm part of the church. I'm part of the church. She's glorious. She's divine. So here's the thing. As is the king, so is the bride. As is the king, so is the bride. Her gown is woven with gold. 
Well, what do we know that the king's wearing? Revelation, other places, Daniel taught. He's got a gold sash because he's the king. And now the brides dress like the king. As is the king, so is the bride. Friends, the more we gaze and see the beauty of the king, the more we're transferred into his likeness. That's how we wear his robes. We look on him. We sing about him. We read about him. We pray psalms. We meditate on him. Let me come and finish. The bride is being led to the king. Verse 14. She's being led. It's been an honour to be leading with Tris and then with Chris Brown before that and with Dave more recently. But friends, ultimately, you're being led by your bridegroom. And he's looking at you and thinking, I love my bride. She's being led in. Do you remember? I remember when Corinne was led in by her father. And I'm at the front, but turn around and everyone turns around and up she comes. There's a heart thumping. She looks beautiful. She looks amazing. In her embroidered garments... The church is led in. His heart's thumping. You, with joy and gladness, they enter the palace. Friends, as is the king, anointed with joy above his companions. Thanks, those of you. Took this line. They, the church, enter the palace of the king. Lord, how come sometimes we can be so miserable as Christians? Because we forget the truth of who's leading us in. We, get, we miss the truth of his grace and he's enthralled by our beauty. The church is led in. We're nearly done. So we might be thinking, oh, that, let's be joyful and beautiful in the future. We'll be, without rate, we'll be without stain or wrinkle in the future. But friends, grace is at work already. Joy and the beauty of God are already at work. Let's receive them. Open doors. You make much of Jesus in this place as his bride then I believe the atmosphere of heaven will be released among you. His joy and peace. Not comes just because we sing jolly songs. No, it comes because we're focusing on the king. And wherever the king goes, he brings joy and peace. But he also does something else here. Bridegroom. I love my bride. Kids. Kids. We've just had the wedding. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You'll make them princes throughout the land. Friends, the fragrance of Jesus, his love for the bride, doesn't just stop there. He wants to reproduce. I think scripture is multiply. He wants to, he multiplies. Father sends son, son comes to earth. Great, now I could rush around and do everything. No, I'm going to multiply. 
12 guys, come and be with me, then I'm going to send you. 120, come and be with me, receive the Spirit, then I'm going to send you. Open door, come and be with me, your bridegroom, now I'm going to send you and multiply. And as we look back, 20 years, and there were 12 of us, Anne and Adrian and a few others, Susie, in our front room at times, oh, he's quite good at multiplying. And he multiplies with all sorts of shapes and colors and backgrounds. And he's only done a little bit of what he can do. But he loves to multiply. And he doesn't just multiply kids. He multiplies himself. He multiplies his authority and affection. Princes. Princes are not just kids. Right. Prince, now you carry my affection. He multiplies disciples carrying his authority and his affection. And isn't that wonderful, just as we move on from open door, knowing that this work of multiplication, this work of Christ loving his bride, this work of sons, princes, daughters, princesses, has not finished. It's finished for our bit in it, but it's not finished for his bit, because the best is yet to come. He's got more sons and we love Peter and Olu and Marcus. They're going to be released in due course to eldership. But it's not just talking about those who might be at the front with a badge. Well, I've never had a badge, but those at the front, that's what I've been missing. <laughs> He's talking about an inheritance. So friends, as you go from here, as you come next week and the week after, as you serve, express this king and his bride in your workplace, you are echoing the heart of the father for the son. Son, your sons will take the place of their fathers. You'll make them princes. When you go to work tomorrow, you're not just a number on a clock sheet or whatever it is. I'm a prince that serves Jesus. I get to perpetuate his memory through all generations. And friends, this is yours. This is mine. We only get to live at once. But therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. Generations and nations. That's the heart of the father for his bride. Hey, let's have kids. If you're okay with that image, I don't mean to be crass, but it's fathers. Hey, let's multiply. Let's have kids, princes, and I'll send them and fill the earth, and they will rule just like Genesis 1 gives us that. Generations and nations. So I want to pray for you guys. I ask you, are you in board with this king? Do you serve that king in splendor? Or is it time to say, I'm going to stop serving the one I thought he was and serve this one. I'm going to bow my knee and say, Jesus the king, have all authority over my head, my hands and my heart. Have my life. Because to be the bride, you have to know the king. Coming here doesn't make you the bride. Knowing the king is the entrance to that. So let me, let me pray, first of all. Lord, I want to ask for any of us that don't know you as king, lord, boss, emperor, ruler, any of us that like, well, I, 
I like to have Jesus alongside because he makes me feel happy, but I've never actually given him everything. So I just want to give opportunity. If you have never signed over your life to him, the king, to do that right now, you can say, Jesus, I give you everything, or even better, I surrender all I am to you. Lord, I surrender all I am to you. I surrender my marriage, my singleness, my kids, my finance. I surrender everything to you. And then church, before the Father, just lift our heads to the bride, lift our eyes, sorry, to the bridegroom. And let him be enamoured. Maybe do it right now, don't sit with head bowed, but almost lift your eyes to him. Lift your head. Some of us were used to having heads bowed. No, lift your head and with spiritual eyes, let him look you in the eye. He says, I've done a good thing. I'm doing a good thing. You're the apple of my eye. You're the bride. And I'm enthralled with your beauty. I'm enthralled by your beauty. That's what it is to be known and loved by God, to surrender and be loved. And finally, I just want to pray for sons and daughters across the church. I thought that was a good idea, but I thought, how I was going to do that? Holy Spirit, I just, can we all stand? I just would love to pray multiplication across the church. That's not just leadership on Sundays or church things. It's also business and education and healthcare or retirement. Be a leader in your street. Be a pastor in your street with your kids and their friends. Be released. If you are happy with me to pray, just put your hands out. And I just want to pray like a blessing of God into your laps, open door. Lord, I want to pray and I want to thank you that they're in this room are sons and daughters. Well, in some way, they're like our sons and daughters, and yet they're yours. Lord, and some people here, it's like you're pregnant for other sons and daughters. So I pray for fresh pregnancies in Open Door of leadership grace, of sons and daughters. I pray for fresh authority to raise up and release people to be sent from Open Door people to be raised up into all sorts of influential positions through open door because she's a, the dwelling place where God is raising sons and daughters. People who will come up with inventions or medical or healthcare. People who will come up and release life into Kettering and Northamptonshire. I pray for blessing of release, not just those in Kettering but Corby and Wellingborough and wherever else places you are. Pray for a release of sons and daughters into the towns and villages around. 
Pray for multiplication of the king's life because where you live, so does the king. And if the king's there, his joy and peace and kingdom gets to flow. And Lord, we pray a blessing on Open Door Church, the bride, the apple of your eye. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen.